is entitled Sukkot, Tabernacles of Tomorrow. We're going to start out in a very, very familiar passage here that uh, David read this morning. And that is from the book of Leviticus, which in Hebrew is Vaikra. And that is chapter 23 and beginning at verse 33. And Adonai said to Moshe, Tell the people of Israel on the 15th day of this seventh month is to be the feast of Sukkot for seven days to Adonai. On the first day there is to be a holy convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work for seven days you are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. On the eighth day you are to have a holy convocation and to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. It is a day of public assembly. Do not do any ordinary kind of work. These are to be designated times of Adonai that you are to proclaim as holy convocations and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai, a burnt offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, each on its own day. Beside the Shabbats of Adonai, your gifts and your vows and all your voluntary offerings you're to give to Adonai. But on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the produce of the land, you are to observe the festival of Adonai seven days. The first day is to be a day of complete rest. And on the eighth day is to be a day of complete rest. On the first, you are to take choice fruit, the palm fronds, as you saw earlier today, that we have with us today, thick branches, river willows, and celebrate in the presence of Adonai your God for seven days. You are to observe it as a feast to Adonai seven days in the year is a permanent regulation, generation after generation, is to keep the seventh month. You are to live in a Sukkot, which is a booth or a tabernacle for seven days. Every citizen of Israel is to live in a Sukkah. So that generation after generation of you will know that I made the people of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai your God. Thus, Moshe announced to the people of Israel the designated times of Adonai. Notice that these are not Jewish feasts. These are feasts of the Lord. So the ancient prophets speak about Israel's distant future in great detail. There are prophecies that predict her repentance, her redemption, and rejoicing in the coming of the Messianic King. But the feasts of the Hebrew calendar are not mentioned in some by some of the prophets. None that is except for Passover, Pesach, and Tabernacles. And how do we know this? We know this from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 45, beginning at verse 21. And this is what it says there. On the 14th day of the first month, you are to have Pesach, which is Passover. For seven days long, matzah will be eaten. On that day, the prince will provide for himself and all the people of the land a young bull as a sin offering. On the seventh day of the feast, he is to provide a burnt offering for Adonai, seven young bulls and seven rams, without defect, daily for the seven days, and a male goat daily as a sin offering. He is to provide as a grain offering a bushel of grain for a 
young bull and a bushel for the ram, and for each bushel of grain a gallon of olive oil. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, during the feast of Sukkot, he is to do the same thing for those seven days in regard to the sin offering, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, and olive oil. Next, we'll look at the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 14, 16. So the prophet Zechariah also writes about the celebration of Sukkot, which is booths or tabernacles in the future. So the Lord regards this festival so important that the Gentiles are commanded to observe it as well. As the prophet Zechariah declares, Finally, everyone remaining from all the nations that came to attack Jerusalem will go up every year to worship the king, Adonai Zabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, and keep his festival of Sukkot. Now, what time will that be? That will be after the seven years of tribulation, when all of the nations come against Israel. Continuing in verse 17 of Zechariah 14. If any of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, to worship the king, Adonai Zavaot, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, no rain will fall upon them. So, the prophet Zechariah wrote of a future day when all nations of the earth, not only the Jewish people, would be called to celebrate Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, this command might seem mysterious at first look, but when viewed in the light of Israel's calling and mission, the place and accord to Sukkot tabernacles is very appropriate. First, let us look at the mission call of the nation of Israel. The future observance of Sukkot tabernacles by the nation of the world rests upon Israel's election and its mission. The universal concern of God's plan for the Jewish people reaches back to his covenant with Abraham. Abraham. In that agreement, God promised in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 3, in Hebrew it's pronounced Bereshit, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And by you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So from Avraham's loins, God would raise up a people, Israel, to be a blessing to the nations. Israel's election must also be linked to her mission to the Gentiles. Israel was chosen to be God's vehicle of blessing to the world. Moshe, Moses wrote regarding the choosing of Israel from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verses 6 through 7. In Hebrew, Deuteronomy is Davarim. For you are my people, set apart as holy for Adonai, your God. Adonai, your God, has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of this earth to be his own unique treasure. Adonai did not set his heart on you or choose you because you numbered more than any other people. On the contrary, you were the fewest of all peoples. So God's choice of Israel was not based on Avraham's merit or even their own. God chose Israel because he decided to love that nation. 
How do we know this? From the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 8, the next verse down. Rather, it was because Adonai loved you and because he wanted to keep the oath which he had sworn to your ancestors that Adonai brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from a life of slavery under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So with this, God's love was an electing love. He chose one people as his means to bless all mankind. For some sovereign reason unknown to us, God chose to love the Jewish people and through this nation to express his love for the world. God's loving choice of Israel does not affect the salvation of individual Jewish people. Rather, God chose a people for service, service that was directed toward the rest of the world. So although God limited his line of promise by choosing one nation above all others, his redemptive plan was intended for the entire world, all nations, all tribes, all peoples. Next, they were to be a witness and a representation to the one true God. The prophet Isaiah, in Hebrew, it's Yeshiahu, wrote that the role of the nation of Israel was to be a witness for God. How do we know this? From Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 and 12. And this is what Isaiah wrote. You are my witness, says Adonai, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you can know and trust me and understand that I am he. No God produce before me, nor will there be any after me. I, yes, I am Adonai. Besides me, there is no deliverer. I've declared and saved and proclaimed, not some alien God among you, Therefore, you are my witnesses, says Adonai. I am God. Continuing in verse number 10 of Isaiah 43. Don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. Didn't I tell you this long ago? I foretold it. You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? There is no other. Rock, I know of none. So in these verses, Isaiah set the scene of a cosmic law court where God is the judge and the nations of the world stand trial for what? For their idolatry, worshiping non-gods. Israel is a star witness for the prosecution. Israel was chosen to hold aloft a testimony of uniqueness of their God. The Lord speaking through Isaiah in Isaiah 43, 11, it says, I, yes, I am Adonai. Besides me, there is no deliverer. In other words, there is no other savior. There is no other redeemer. It is he and he alone. So what was and is Israel's mission? To proclaim to the world 
that the God of Israel is the only one true God. And there is no other deliverer, there is no other savior, and there is no other redeemer but he himself. So God was calling the nation of Israel to be what? A, a nation of missionary priests. Israel was to be more than a witness to the nations. They were also to be an intercessor on the other nations' behalf. They were commissioned for this holy responsibility where at Mount Sinai. God said to Moshe, Moses, from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 4. Exodus is called in Hebrew, Shemot. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on what? Eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you pay careful attention to what I say and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure, my possession from among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. See, the nations also belong to the Lord. And you will be a kingdom of koinin, which is Hebrew for priests, for me. A nation set apart. These are the words you are to speak to the people of Israel. So Moshe, Moses, he received that directly from God to speak to the people. So continuing... Once again, God expressed his concern for the nations. He declared, all the earth is mine. God chose Israel from among all the peoples of the earth for an eternal purpose. That Israel might be God's vehicle to restore and reclaim rebellious nations. Israel was not chosen for their own sake, but for the sake of the nations. And God describes their unique position as a kingdom of Kohanim and priests, their role was to intercede with a holy God for the sinful nations. In this verse, God called the people of Israel by an endearing term, segulah, in Hebrew, which is translated as his own personal possession. <clears throat> Although Israel was to be God's treasure and possession, they must never forget that the entire world belonged to God and was subject to, of his concern. But just like we, Israel has failed. Israel failed in its mission to reach the nations. Not only were they disobedient to the commandments of God, but they did not extend themselves in missionary activity. And yet God of all grace did not renege on his choice, God would still use the nation of Israel to bless the nations. And this is an ongoing work. Israel did not fulfill this mission, but God completed the task himself. Abba, Father God, sent his son Yeshua to live perfectly under the Torah, the law, to be a light to the nations and to intercede once and for all on behalf of all Jews and Gentiles. The faithfulness of a man can never thwart the faithfulness of God. The Gentiles most assuredly would share in the salvation brought by the divine seed of Abraham, Yeshua. Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, 
Or Paul wrote in the book of Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13 this. The Messiah Yeshua redeemed us from the curse and pronounced in Torah by becoming cursed on our behalf. For the Tanakh says, everyone who hangs from a stake, a tree comes, becomes under a curse. Is that just directly from Galatians? No, originally it's from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. Going on with Galatians 3 to verse 14. Yeshua the Messiah did this so that in union with him, the Gentiles might receive the blessings announced to Abraham. So that through trusting and being faithful, we might receive what is promised, namely the Ruach, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. So it is tempting for some to think that Israel's role in the world of redemption is over. They've failed. God's done with them. That is the complete opposite. That is not true. For although Israel failed in their mission, they remain chosen. How do we know this? From Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says this. And Ravshul was speaking to them. For brothers, I want you to understand this truth, which God formerly concealed but now has revealed so that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. Have you ever been there? You get a concept in your mind, but as you spend time reading God's word, the truth, discernment, the full understanding of what God's word says, then you realize. And so this is a warning we all need to take to heart, no matter where we are. Praise be to God. So that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. It is that stoniness to agree, a degree has come upon Israel. Until when? Until the Gentile world enters into its fullness. And that is in this way that Israel will be saved. As the Tanakh, the Old Testament says, out of Zion, out of Zion will come whom? The Redeemer. And he will turn away ungodliness from Yaakov. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now, was that simply quoted just in the book of Romans? No. Originally, that was quoted from Isaiah in Isaiah 59, verse 20 through 21. And also Isaiah 27, 9. Going back to Romans chapter 11 and verse 28. With respect to the good news, they are hated for your sake. But with respect of being chosen, they are loved for the patriarch's sake. For God's free gifts and his calling are what? They're irrevocable. They're never removed. So with this, Israel still has a role to play in the future. As Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul, saw declared in Romans eleven twelve, Moreover, in their Israel's stumbling is bringing riches to the world. And is that just the world, the trees and the land? No, that's the nations to the Gentiles. That is, if Israel being placed temporarily, do you hear that word temporarily, in a condition less favored than that of the Gentiles, is bringing riches to the latter, how much greater riches will Israel in its fullness bring to them? 
Also, Rav Shaul wrote in Romans chapter 11, 15, for if the casting of Yeshua aside means reconciliation for the nations, what will be their accepting thee of Yeshua mean? But literally will be life from the dead. So Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, spoke of a future time when Israel will once again put on the mantle of obligation and fulfill their role as a missionary nation. In some remarkable way, the nation of Israel will be again used by God to bring the message of Messiah Yeshua to the nations. For Israel will be the central to God's kingdom ministry. And when you think about this, when people would read these scriptures and they'd wonder, well, there's not even a nation of Israel anymore. But what happened in May 1948? In a day, Israel was born again as a nation. So, an example of Israel coming into their calling. Think about the 144,000 Jews that is mentioned from the 12 tribes of Israel. 12,000 men from all 12 tribes. They are listed in Revelation chapter 7, verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through chapter 8, 1. And also continuing in, in chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. And when will this time take place? The Lord will raise them up as being a witness of himself. And God's plan of salvation during the great seven-year tribulation. So, Isaiah spoke of a day when Jerusalem would be restored. Isaiah 62, verse 1 through 3. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines brightly and her salvation like a, a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all the kings your glory. Then you will be called by a new name, which Adonai himself will pronounce. You will be a glorious crown in the hand of Adonai, a royal diadem held by your God. So in that day, Israel will not be the tail, but will be the head of the nations. And how do we know this? From the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, 13 declares this. Adonai will make you the head and not the tail. You will be only you will be only above and never below. If you listen to and observe and obey my mitzvot of Adonai, your God. So Jerusalem will be a spiritual focal point of the world because of the king of Jerusalem, the prince of Shalom, who is Yeshua himself. And he will reign in his chosen city. As Isaiah wrote, of that joyful occasion. In Isaiah 52, 9 through 10 declares, Break out into joy. Sing together, you ruins of Jerusalem, For Adonai has comforted his people, and he has redeemed Jerusalem. Adonai has bared his holy arm in the sight of every nation, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And just think about that. That word salvation in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, 
That literally is Yeshua. In the English, Jesus. So think about that. So the day is coming when the restored and renewed Israel once again become a light to the nations. For the destiny of Israel is linked to the destiny of the nations. Israel's testimony will be glorious and true because Yeshua, the one who is all glorious and truth, will sit upon his throne. In that day, the Jewish people will be as from life to the dead for the nations of the earth. So now let us focus on these themes that are Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. God's concern for the Gentiles is most evident. In the Talmudic writings regarding Sukkot, in Jewish sources, Israel's role is in the world redemption, is a major theme of the Feast of Tabernacles. At the Feast of Sukkot Tabernacles, it declares we offer up 70 bowls as atonement for the 70 nations, and we pray that rain will come down for them. Israel is considered a nation of intercessors for the sins of the Gentiles. Zechariah 14. The traditional Bible reading on the second day of Sukkot is taken from the 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah. An addition portion read on Sukkot speaks about the war of Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 38, 14 through 3916. If you'd like to, you can turn with me there. Ezekiel chapter 14. And this is what the word of the Lord declares through 3814 declares through that. Ezekiel 3814. Therefore, human being, prophesy. Tell Gog that Adonai Elohim says this. Won't you be aware of it? When my people of Israel are living in security, you will choose just that time to come from your place in the far reaches of the north. You and many peoples with you, all of them on horseback, a huge horde, a mighty army, and you shall invade my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. This will be in the Arkit Hamin, which are the last days, and I will bring you against my land so the nations will know me. When before their eyes I am set apart as holy through you, Gog. Adonai Elohim says, I spoke of you long ago through my servants, the prophets of Israel. Back then they prophesied for many years that I would have you invade them. When the day comes when Gog invades the land of Israel, says Adonai Elohim, my furious anger will, will then boil up. In my jealousy and in my heated fury I speak. And when that day comes, there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish in the sea and the birds of the air, the wild beasts, and all the reptiles creeping on the, crowd, on the ground, every human being there in the land will tremble before me. Mountains will fall, cliffs will crumble, and every wall crash to the ground. And I will summon a sword against him throughout all my mountains, says Adonai Elohim. Every man will wield his sword against his brother, and I will judge him with a plague and with blood, and I will cause torrential rain to fall on him, his troops and the many peoples who are with him, along with huge hailstones, fire and sulfur. I will show my greatness and my holiness 
making myself known in the sight of many nations. Then I will know, then they will know that I am Adonai. Continue in chapter 39. So you human being, prophesy against Gog, say that Adonai Elohim, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tuval. I will turn you around and lead you on and bring you from the far reaches of the north against the mountains of Israel. But then I will knock your bow out of your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. You will fall on the mountains of Israel, you and your troops and all the peoples with you. And I will give, give you to be eaten up by all kinds of birds of prey, by wild animals. And you will fall in the open field, for I have spoken, says Adonai Elohim. And I will also send fire against Magog and also against those living securely in the coastlands, and they will know that I am Adonai. And I will make my holy name known among my people Israel. I will not allow my holy name to be profaned any longer. Then the nations will know that I am Adonai, the Holy One of Israel. Yes, this is coming, and it will be done, says Adonai Elohim. This is the day about which I have spoken. Those living in Israel's cities will go out and set fire to the weapons to use as fuel. The shields, the breastplates, the bows, the arrows, the clubs, the spears. They will use them for fire seven years so that they will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it down from any of the forests because they will use the weapons for fire. Thus they will plunder those who plundered them and rob them, says Adonai Elohim. When that day comes... I will give Gog a place there in Israel for graves in the Traveler's Valley, east of the sea, and it will block the Traveler's Passage. They, there they will bury Gog and all his horde, and that they will rename it the Valley of Haman Gog, Horde of Gog. It will take place, it will take the house of Israel seven months to bury them, in order to cleanse the land. Yes, all the people of the land will be burying them. They will become famous for it. It will be a day for me to be glorified, says Adonai Elohim. And they will then pick up, they will then pick men for continual duty of going through the land and burying with the travelers, the corpses still laying out on the ground, in order to cleanse it, and they will bring their search after seven months. As, as they go through the land, if anyone sees a human bone, he will put a marker next to it until the grave diggers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. Moreover, Hamana, its horde or multitude, will be the name of a city. Thus, they will cleanse the land. And so with this, we see this portion of scripture that is there and it seems kind of strange why would the lord link this to a great celebration of in gathering first the jewish people and then all the people of the nations so what thematic relationship does the scripture portion have to the feast of sukkot or tabernacles Although it may not be evident to the casual reader, the common thread uniting these two passages is God's universal concern for the redemption of the nations. In Zechariah 14, the judgment against rebellious nations will be that God withholds his life-giving reigns. The judgment in Ezekiel 38 upon the hostile nations 
will also be rain. Ezekiel 38, 22 through 23. I, God, will judge him, Gog, with plague and with blood, and I will cause torrential rain to fall upon him, his troops and his many peoples with him, along with huge hailstones, fire and sulfur. I, God, will show my greatness and holiness, making myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am Adonai. So, whether in blessing or in judgment, God intends to show the nations that he is Lord over all. So what is the deeper meaning of the prophecy? We're going to dig into that now. The prophet Zechariah spoke of the end of days, when Israel and the nations will celebrate the Feast of Sukkot Tabernacles. In that day, Israel will be redeemed and all her enemies destroyed. The day of restoration will take place after Yaakov's trouble or the seven-year tribulation. How do we know this? From Jeremiah chapter 37 declares this. How dreadful that day will be. There has never been one like it. A time of trouble from Yaakov, Jacob, for Israel. But out of it, he will be saved. And so the Lord is speaking through Jeremiah about that seven-year tribulation period here. In the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, the great tribulation, Yeshua also speaks through. But through whom? Who is recorded? Matthew 24, 21 declares this. For there will be trouble then, worse than there has ever been. From the beginning of the world until now, there will be nothing like it again. And that's what Yeshua spoke and Matthew recorded. But it's also written in Joel chapter 2, verse 2, and Jan Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. That's your homework. We're not going to read those verses right now, but we're going to focus on Zechariah the prophet, who wrote of Israel's indescribable agony, Jacob's trouble, during this terrible period. From Zechariah chapter 13, 8 and 9, it declares this. In time throughout the land, says Adonai, two-thirds, remember that's a percent, of those in it will be destroyed. They will die, but one-third, that's also a percent, will remain. That third part I will bring through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined. I will test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and they will say, Adonai is my God. From the midst of the great tribulation, the Jewish people will cry out to God, and in his great mercy, Abba, Father God, will send his Messiah, who is Yeshua, to deliver Israel from their destruction. Zechariah 12.10 continues, And I will pour out on the house of David, on those living in Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and prayer, and they will look to me, to me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. They will be in bitterness for a firstborn son. So with this we see, then Israel will be restored, both spiritually and nationally. Her enemies will be crushed, and Yeshua will then reign. Zechariah 
14.9 declares this, then Adonai will be king over the whole world. And on that day, Adonai will be the only one and his name will be the only name. So God's plan for the lost is not to destroy them, but to bring them into subjection, into repentance at his feet. God will command the faithful among the Gentiles to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Sukkot Tabernacles. And when's that going to happen? After the seven-year tribulation. The millennial reign of Messiah begins. So from Zechariah 14.6 declares this, Finally, everyone remaining from all the nations that came to attack Jerusalem will go up every year to worship the king, Adonai Zavaot, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, and keep the festival of Sukkot, boots and tabernacles. So you may be asking yourself, why did God choose Sukkot and not one of the other major festivals as a test of obedience for the Gentiles? Some scholars believe that Sukkot, as a feast of ingathering, is the most appropriate time for God to gather the human fruit for his kingdom. Zechariah describes the conversion of the nations to the one true God. In every age, God's people have obligations. The Feast of Sukkot, Booth's Tabernacles, must be viewed as one of the kingdom obligations for all the people from the nations, the Gentiles. It is their opportunity to worship God as well as for God to test their point of obedience. So Zechariah warned the unwilling to obey disobedient nations that there will be a stinging judgment for any who would not, not keep the Feast of Sukkot, tabernacles and booths. The judgment in keeping with the same of the Feast of Sukkot in gathering calls for Yeshua to do what? To withhold rain from their land. If the nations were not willing to worship God in Jerusalem, Yeshua would withhold the provision of food as well as blessings. The ultimate eternal significance of the Feast of Sukkot Tabernacles. The Shelachim, the Apostle Yohanan John, wrote in Revelation 21 verses 3 through 4, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See God's Shekinah, his divine presence, is now with mankind. And he, Yeshua, who is salvation, will live with them. And they will be his people, and he himself will be God with them. And he will be their God. And where was that declared before the book of Revelation? But Vaikra, which is Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 11 through 12, Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, and verse, chapter 8, and verse 8, and verse 10, Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, Ezekiel 37, 27, and 2 Chronicles 6, 18. Continue in Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no, no longer any death. 
and there will be no longer any mourning, crying or pain, because the old order has what? Has passed away. So, ultimately, the whole earth will become a sukkah booth for God. And he will reign in the presence of Yeshua, his son, for all eternity. This reminds us of Solomon's prayer where he understood clearly God's intention is to fill his redeemed earth with his presence. So doesn't this give you a whole new perspective to why Sukkot, Tabernacles, is now called the season of joy? What greater joy can be there than that in the presence of living with God forever? Shabbat Shalom. Lashana Tova, Hatsumeak, Happy Holidays.